Welcome to Jabber. We're so thrilled you're here again. And um, today's episode, as you can see, is entitled Hashtag Walkaway. I want to discuss a little bit of what walkaway is before we get too far into this episode. Walkaway um, is defined as when a person or a group decides that they have had enough of their political ideology or affiliation and decide to walk away and go to a different ideology and a different political focus. So today, we will be exploring hashtag walkaway. The first person that I would like to talk about is a young black female. Her name is Candace Owens. She was raised in Stamford, Connecticut, went to Stanford High School in Connecticut, and uh, then attended the university at Rhode Island, and of all things, studied journalism. She left there and worked in finance in New York for four years, and uh, we will talk a little bit about what got her started down a particular road. However, may I begin by saying that she was a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat. She was raised Democrat. She had a very liberal way of thinking. And um, all of her friends, all of her family came from that same ideology. Her history dates back to far before um, she became very popular in 2016. But her history is, goes back long before that. Uh, starts when she was still in high school. She experienced what many others would view as a quote-unquote hate crime, and um, that hate crime was four voicemails from four different kids on one evening, and those voicemails uh, basically said things such as, we're going to tar and feather your family, we're going to put a bullet in the back of your head like we did to Martin Luther King, the N-word, 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 etc., etc., etc. And so the next day, uh, she was in a class, and for some particular reason, um, she felt like she needed to get it off her chest. And so when the teacher asked her a question, she kind of blurted out um, what had happened the previous night. Not so much to get anybody in trouble, but just the pent-up energy of what had occurred um, and so this teacher saw what had happened and immediately marched Candace to the principal. The principal freaked out, and the school resources police officer was called. And that one moment would change Candace's life. Three kids she had never met. One she had. One was a great friend that perhaps was just jealous of Candace and Candace's boyfriend. The problem was, one of the kids happened to be the current government, or I'm sorry, the current governor of Connecticut's son. The son of the Connecticut governor uh, had been a part of this all. And so what could have just been a, hey, don't be dumb, don't make these kind of calls um, type of a punishment soon became front page headlines. 
the NAACP uh, began to stand outside the school. Protesters were marching all on behalf of Candace. And it was her first exposure to the outrage culture. Six weeks of news everywhere. Six weeks of people interviewing. Six weeks of um, major Boston and New York publishers trying to reach out. Six weeks of a living hell. She never wanted the kids to be labeled racist, and yet they were. She never wanted them to be punished. All she asked for was a simple apology. And so, with those circumstances, she found herself rooted even further and deeper in the Democrat Party. Whites are racist, conservatives are racist, Republicans don't love the black community. Those are all things that she had been told and bought into. And she began to allow those things to determine her culture, her mindset, her ideology as far as politics. She voted for President Obama. She fully believed, embraced, and espoused everything that she had been told to believe. She was Democrat through and through. She graduates from college, and in graduating from college, she decides, after working four years in New York for a finance company, that she wanted to attempt to put out an anti-bullying project. It was a small startup, and so she used a three-minute kickstart video that stated, quote, uh, what we're doing is figuratively lifting the masks off of trolls, end of quote. And not long after that, somebody in uh, working for Twitter found out what, uh, or got wind of what she might have been up to, at least what she hoped to be up to. And in that moment, they began to attack her anonymously. Bullying her, uh, calling, threatening her, telling her to pull the project. And within two hours, over 4,000 emails calling her the N-word from all uh, types of trolls um, had begun to reach out to her. Candace recognized that something wrong was going on here. And the next morning, three magazines, The Guardian, The Washington Post, and New York Magazine had all reached out to her. She was glad. She thought, oh, these Democrats that are going to help me and further my cause of anti-bullying, um, they're going to write in favor of me. But instead of writing in favor of her, all three of the magazines ripped her. They lied on her. And um, only backed off after she threatened to sue them. And so she immediately realized that the media is fake. This was April of 2016. It was at the same time that uh, Donald Trump was campaigning for president. And in his campaign, many times he would say a, say, a statement like, quote, CNN is fake news, end of quote or the dishonest media, or those medias, they're, they're liars, and they're fake, and it's fake news. And that message resonated with her. 
she knew from experience what was being said was absolutely true. She had experienced it in high school and bought into that culture and then thought it was correct again on trying to start up her anti-bullying cause only to be turned on both times. And so, as she began to listen, she recognized that as a black female, she had bought into drinking the Kool-Aid. And there was only one thing to do. Hashtag, walk away. Sometimes, you have to walk away from the ideology of politics that you've held on to for so long. I don't want to just talk about Candace today. I have another story that I would like to bring up, and that is a small question of whatever happened to Diane. It was an honor, most agreed, to have the distinguished Senator Edward Brooke as a speaker for commencement exercises and a mistake, some believed, to allow a student to also speak. Well, the fears of the latter were confirmed on graduation day because in Diane's speech, the student's speech, the first ever commencement speech given by a student at that college, she rebuked the senator, the school's guest. She rebuked him for his lack of relevance, as she put it. The word of Diane's impertinence eventually reached home, where old friends shook their heads. What had ever happened to the girl they had known? The sweet, sincere traditionalist, the staunch defender of the establishment. What had happened is what we are discussing today. It was a large yellow brick Georgian house on Wisner Road in a conservative community of smiling faces and unlocked doors where Diane was nurtured to young womanhood. One of her earliest aspirations was to become an astronaut, and as a high school junior, she wrote NASA to tell them so. Diane was always reaching for the stars. The expectation of family and friends was no lower. She was a natural leader. In fact, indeed, she was always winning achievement awards of one kind or another. In her senior year, she was voted most likely to succeed. But most of all, Diane was sensible. An outspoken red, white, and blue American. She campaigned her heart out when Barry Goldwater ran for president. She canvassed door to door and argued with less sensible friends. Barry Goldwater typified everything that Diane stood for. He opposed big government. He opposed high taxes. He stressed the need for self-reliant citizens and local autonomy. Goldwater girls, they were called back then. They were a part of the female conservative youth movement and Diane was outstanding among them. 
When Goldwater lost the election, she remained undaunted. She even became president of her local Young Republicans. So what in the world ever happened to Diane? Was it college life, far from the traditions and influences of home, that transformed the Goldwater campaigner into a Eugene McCarthy supporter? That turned the establishment apologist into a sort of liberal who would one day embarrass a United States senator on her own graduation day? What happened was the Reverend Don Jones, some would say, the youth pastor in Diane's church, who once took his teenage flock to the urban ghetto to witness inner-city poverty firsthand. What Pastor Jones did had a tremendous impact on Diane, others would later recall, particularly when the girl from the insular suburbs saw what was happening to children in that other world right next door. For you see, Diane would move philosophically, slowly but surely, to the left after that. And she's taken a number of people with her on that long ideological journey. You know one of them, the 42nd President of the United States. For would-be astronaut from Park Ridge, Illinois, the overachieving, flag-waving, Goldwater girl, the young Republican who at one time would have done just about everything to reduce the size of government and lower your taxes. That was Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton. Yes, Hillary Clinton. She also hashtag walked away. You heard it on Jabber. Please subscribe wherever you are listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. That helps us so very much. Also, if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us by emailing jabberpodcast at gmail.com. That is J-A-B-R podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening.